Well, hello and welcome back to Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. And I'm Kevin. And we're going to be talking about the parable of the sower in Matthew and Mark. Is this one also in Luke, Kevin? Is this well, one of the ones you know, that's in all of them? It's not in all of them. John doesn't have it. Oh, so <laughs> the, it's the in, important... It's in the first three. Stay by your microphone. Stop going away from your microphone. So It's in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8, I believe. Nice. Okay. So that's, we're going to be talking about that today because we've been talking about hermeneutics. We've been talking about the principles of hermeneutics and uh, what's the in the Bible and what's in your Bible that's not the Bible and so many different things, all leading up to this moment right now where we're actually going to do the thing that we've been telling you to do, but haven't actually done so that you know what it looks like when you do it. Does, does that make sense, Kevin? Yeah. All right. It does. Kind of. Not. So, <laughs> hopefully, at the end of this episode, it will make sense. And this won't be the only time we do this. We're, we're starting with the parable of the sower, and we're going to model this approach in several different ways. I'm going to learn a lot because as we're doing this, I'm learning from Dr. Kevin on how to do this. So, um, hopefully, I'll be asking the questions that you listeners would ask and can kind of help us along in that way. Well, and so, hopefully we're all learning from the word of God through all this that indeed none of us approach the words of God, the word of God and think that we have it all figured out or that we get it all right or that we have all the answers, but we we read the text praying that God would shape us by his word and that we would one day by the power of the Holy Spirit read with the wisdom that that he gives and according to his will. So that's that's the goal in all of this for all of us. Yep. Yep. Amen. All right. So, Kevin, take it away. Well, the parable of the sower um, is one that probably everybody listening knows in some way, shape, or form, even if it's, you know, the, the gross outline of it or the basic outline of the of the parable. So Jesus... This is a parable that Jesus told, right? And as we said, it's in the first three Gospels, Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And um, pretty much falls in the same period of Jesus' ministry in all four of the Gospels, or all those three Gospels. It's not in the Gospel of John, because remember, Gospel of John doesn't have parables. So when you're thinking parables of Jesus, they're not in the Gospel of John. He just doesn't do that. He has signs and you know, miracles, but he doesn't have parables the way that the synoptic gospels have parables. So this parable is one that Jesus tells. And usually in, in Mark and Matthew, especially there are questions about it from the disciples. Jesus explains it and even explains the general use of parables. So this is one of the most important parables of Jesus. Um, one, because of its popularity, but also because of the way that it really helps us understand the earthly ministry of Jesus. Hmm. And that's really the key to interpretation that we're going to look at in our time together today, is that this parable is really about the earthly ministry of Jesus as the Son of Man who has come to usher in the kingdom of God to be the kingdom of God on earth and to spread the good news of the kingdom of God on earth. And the fact that that proclamation of the word of God is not going to be received 
by everyone with the same fervor or faith or excitement or even steadfastness that hmm. some will receive it, think it sounds good, and then later decide they don't like it so much. Some will just hate it from the get-go. Others will receive it and spend some time in it and wander around in it for a while and think, yeah, this sounds good. But then when things happen, they're going to, you know, maybe decide it's not worth it. Yeah. Some might even hear it and believe it. Hmm. But we'll see. <laughs> so that the parable is really um, going to help us understand the earthly ministry of Jesus. So let's get to it. I'm going to read the parable from, well, yeah, from Matthew 13. So we'll just start at the beginning of the chapter because it kind of has some introductory verses. So Matthew 13, beginning at verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. That's the parable. So that's Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. And in the Gospel of, of Matthew, we're just going to talk about Matthew for a second. This is really the first of the full parables of the Gospel. There, there's a previous little short story that some take as a parable in Matthew 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You guys know that, the building your house upon the sand, building your house upon there's, the rock there's a There's a song and hand yeah, motions that go with, with it. With, and, uh, with hand the, motions. I, it's, oh, it's a podcast, not a video. Nobody can therefore, see what I'm doing. <laughs> therefore helpful. But, um, so, but, but usually this is seen as the first parable that Jesus tells um, in a full sense. Other, he has other little stories for, for illustration, but this is really the first full-on parable. And what this leads to is actually a discussion of the parables. And Jesus tells the disciples um, why he tells parables. So this is what he tells the disciples in verse, well, we'll just, read, we'll just keep reading, okay? So the disciples in verse 10, the disciples came and said to Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled in, that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. 
For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and do not see it, and hear what you hear and do not hear it. So that's that's Jesus' explanation to his disciples and why he speaks in parables. And what you see in Jesus' Jesus' explanation is that he is telling these parables so that people will not understand. Okay, because uh, <laughs> they do not have the kingdom of God. They do not see the kingdom of God. They do not believe the kingdom of God. And this is actually very important for us to understand as we read the parables is that Jesus is teaching the parables in order to teach about the kingdom of God. And the only way to properly understand the parables is to understand what the kingdom of God is and how the kingdom of God works. Okay. Um, I need to pause you there for a minute because I have been taught and I have heard this growing up in my own life, my non-Lutheran upbringing, and even from Lutherans, that the reason Jesus taught in parables is so that he could tell these truths in relatable stories that people would get and that people back then would understand this. And so we have to understand the cultural setting of the parable in the same way that people would because that's how they would have understood it. And this is basically Jesus giving illustrations, and that's why we do sermon illustrations. It's kind of the opposite of what you just said. <laughs> well, there's there there are some things in that that's true. Um, what we do want to take from that observation is that Jesus does use um, characters in his in his parables and situations in his parables that aren't a hundred percent common in our world today so uh, not a lot of us are shepherds not a lot of us are walking around literally throwing seed on the ground yeah um, even even the so, farmers that might be the closest to this yeah, still they, aren't walking through their field tossing seeds yeah they have you know automated things to, to plant their seeds um they're certainly not throwing seed by their hand on a path that's certainly not going to be hundred percent relatable to today. So, so some of those observations are correct in that it helps us to understand the imagery that Jesus uses to, in order to understand that sometimes it helps to understand the culture in which Jesus was talking. So that when he said a sower goes out to seed, they weren't going, why doesn't he drive a tractor? You know? <laughs> so, so we might think that, and that's where it does help to remember, okay, these were images from daily life, perhaps that they would have understood what he said when he says a shepherd has sheep. Well, not many of us are actual shepherds today. So it helps us to understand maybe something about shepherding, but, but what we learn from the crowd's reaction to the parables is these were not things that Jesus used to make things clearer. As a matter of fact, usually after the parables, people are even more confused. So we want to kind of get away from this idea that this was Jesus making God's stuff relatable through earthly stories. That's really okay. not what, what was happening here. Um, we actually see the exact opposite happening. So one of the one of the um, popular ways to say this is that these are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Okay. Well, that neither one of those aspects are really true. These are these are stories that use earthly metaphors to teach us about the kingdom of God, but they're not metaphors that are easily understood without understanding the kingdom of God. 
And the problem okay. is we usually spend most of our time trying to interpret the earthly metaphors and then apply those metaphors to our life. But what we're missing is the point of the parable, which is to explain to us the kingdom of God. So so expl- so let's do that. And then I want to share my note that I have because I think it, it does the wrong thing that you just said. But I'd rather we hear the right thing first so we can actually see the contrast between the two. So when we read the parable of the sower, most of us have been taught the first question to ask is, so where do I fit into the parable? So we're going to say, well, maybe I'm the sower who sows the seed. So it's a mission text. Maybe I'm one of the soils. So it's a sanctification text or it's a justification text that teaches me why I'm not believing or something. Um, but Or what kind of faith I have. Or what kind of faith I have, right. Yeah, and so we're yeah. going to talk, and I'm sure we're going to get to that in a second. Yeah, we'll get what, to that. What, what I'm advocating is the first thing we should think about with parables is what does this teach me about God's kingdom? Or as and, we said last week, or in the last episode, what is God doing? Right. So that's yep. exactly right. When we say God's kingdom, what we want to think is the God's kingdom is this, God's active reign and rule. Okay. And that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So when we're asking, when we're looking at parables and we think, what is the kingdom of God? What does it teach about the kingdom of God? What we're really asking is what is God doing through Jesus Christ that this parable teaches me about? That's the question. What is God up to? What is God doing? And how does this parable teach me? And when we ask that question of what God is doing, and we're looking at a parable told by Jesus, the the real question is, what is God doing through the person and work of Jesus Christ that this parable is revealing to me? Okay. Okay. So do we look for who Jesus is in the parable? So the first thing we want to think about then is that Jesus is probably one of the characters in the parable or something in the parable is going to relate to something he's doing. Okay. Ah. So maybe a major action in the parable is parallel to something he's doing. Now in this parable, it's actually quite easy. Um, the sower went out to sow. Okay. Well, we learn from the other interpretations of the parable that that sower is actually um sowing the word of the kingdom. So you look in Matthew 13, verse 18, where Jesus helps us. He goes, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes. So right away, he is making, hearing the words of the kingdom parallel to the seed being sown. Hmm. So what we know is right away, and this is also, this will then be found in the parallel accounts, is that Jesus is the sower of the seed meaning that Jesus is spreading the word of the kingdom of God. Okay. So this parable is actually about Jesus spreading the word or in Christian terms, proclaiming the kingdom of God and the way that people will receive that proclamation. That's what this parable is about is Jesus proclaiming the kingdom and people's reception of that proclamation. Okay. So that is very different than saying the parable is about what kind of soil I am or something like that. 
So here, here's my note. I think that's a good, good way. I, I don't know when I wrote this note in the right. margin of my Bible. This is, uh, th- oh, this is my Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Ooh, I, this was the first Bible that I really spent money on. It was, you know, leather with my name on the front and everything. It was like, I think that was when I got serious about. I want a Bible that will really last for a while. And this was the one where it's like, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna spend money on it. So, um, it's, it's been a while. But here, here's my note. I think I got this from a sermon. Um, I would have been attending a Lutheran church at this point, but I don't know if I got this from a sermon there or somewhere else. It says, this is about how you hear. Miss this, you miss them all. It's about the condition of the heart. So my note is telling me this is all about me and my heart and that this actually applies to all the following parables that Jesus is going to tell. Like this is like the defining hermeneutic for the rest of the parables as I, as I read them. Um, yeah. And here when it says the devil will snatch it away, my little, my little note here says he can snatch it because our heart is already hard. So I've, I've continued that hermeneutic through into even Jesus interpretation that the most important thing about this text is the condition of my heart or the heart. So the, the first problem we're going to have with, with that suggestion is that you have just instructed me to believe that when Jesus was speaking this parable, he had Peter Slayton in mind. <laughs> well, yeah, he's omniscient. So right. he had which, all of which us is, in mind. Which is not impossible. Um, right. God certainly knows the number of hairs on our head, those kinds of things. But it's that's easier in my case, but yeah, it's much easier. But <laughs> Matthew 13 was not written specifically about you, and that's the first thing that we are encouraging this hermeneutical um, series is that when we read the Bible, the first thought should not be that this book was written about me, instead, this book was written about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the good news is that what Jesus did, I receive by grace through faith. But the Bible is not primarily about me well, or here, about you. It's primarily about God's work in Christ. Yeah, because here's the problem this is going to create, and I'm sure it did create in me, is, okay, if this is about the condition of my heart, what do I need to do to get my heart into the right soil condition? Right. So now that, we've, that's, we've that's what I'm going to have to do. What, I have nothing. That, that is my next move. Yes. <laughs> if and I'm going to take and, it that way. <laughs> and that move is a result of a misinterpretation of the entire point of the parable. Yeah. So now instead of focusing on what God is up to in the kingdom of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ, now, according to your interpretation and your notes, we are going to shift the entire focus of the parable to me and what I must do in order to fulfill something. Well, but I still have God doing stuff. He's out there sowing. Right. He's His out there doing sowing. And I've got to do something to receive it. Yeah, but then but the real point is me. It's it's almost like a deistic view of God. He's kind yeah. of sort of out there doing his thing, kind of active. But it's really so, more of a passive thing that he's doing. He's just he's just sowing because that's what he does. The active part of this parable is me making sure I've got the right kind of soil and that I'm receiving this this passive throwing, this passive sowing of the seed properly. That's, that's exactly right. That's where we're going. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's wrongly. And this, is, this is what we want to kind of move our focus away from. So the real point of the parable is Jesus 
as he proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God in his earthly ministry and as he physically lives out the coming of the kingdom of God in his personal ministry as he goes to the cross, suffers and dies, and on the third day rises again from the dead. So that is really the focus of the parable is how Jesus is God's action to bring the kingdom of God to this earth through his earthly ministry in his person, in his work, and in his words. And what we learn is that Jesus is telling his disciples that he is going to sow the seeds of the kingdom. And then like we said later, we learn that's the proclamation of the word of God. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is going to do this. And what we learn from this parable is it's not going to go well. <laughs> In the majority of cases, there's right. only one case where it actually goes well. The rest of them, there's issues. So there are four kinds of receptions of the kingdom that Jesus is going to encounter as he goes along. He is going to encounter those who have no reception of his message at all, right? Yep. He's going to encounter those who like it, but later kind of get scorched by the sun and don't like it anymore. And what he explains what that means. And and, and, we, and we see that. Has has Matthew already had the account of, and then half of them stopped following him because what he said no, was too hard? That's in John. That's in John. Okay. That's in John 6. But yeah, that's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. So all this interpretation is in, in verses 18 through 23, where Jesus explains all these kinds of soil, right? So he says, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. And see, see how he's talking about hearing the word? So it's, it's the spreading of the word that matters here. And immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Hmm. Okay. And then verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. See the concentration on the hearing of the word, but the cares of the world, the seedfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And then as for what was sown on good soil, this is one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case, a hundredfold, another 60, another 30. So in Jesus' own interpretation of the parable, he is saying that as I preach this word, people will hear it and people will hear it and reject it for various reasons. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some will reject it out of hand. The devil will simply deceive them. Some will reject it because of persecution. Some will reject it out of competition for other messages that sound better to them. So one fourth of the people will hear it and believe. Hmm. Okay. So, so, and I I know I cut you off, but give me a second. No, it's fine. (laughs) So what Jesus is saying is when you see this happen to his disciples, when you see this happen, don't give up. The son of man is sowing the good news of the kingdom. When you see the son of man being rejected through his earthly ministry, don't be surprised and don't give up. The sown seed will produce fruit. Don't give up. And this is actually what begins to happen in the gospel of Matthew and in the gospel of Mark is and even the gospel of Luke is that Jesus will now start being publicly opposed in his ministry. 
Okay, he's so popular that he can't even teach right now. He's got to get in a boat and go away from shore because he's just there's so many people that want to listen to him. They love everything he says and does, right? Mm-hmm. But he's saying, um, as I keep teaching the truth of the kingdom, opposition is gonna grow, and when that happens, don't lose heart. All right, so I th- I think you've answered the question I had, but before I go back to asking that question. I, I looked I looked ahead in the rest of chapter 13 in Matthew. And so taking what you've just said that the whole focus is about the word will go out, people will fall away, don't be discouraged. And I look at the tares among the wheat, mm-hmm. if I'm just using the headlines here, mm-hmm. the mustard seed, what, what that word mm-hmm. looks like, um, mm-hmm. the leaven, when that mm-hmm. word is included, when there's false teaching that gets included with it, um, he explains the tares. The hidden treasure, how and the pearl, how much is this word worth? The the dragnet, when the word goes out, here's what it brings back. That like completely explains those, and they totally make sense. It now and, that now that I see that because all of those keep going, Peter, and then keep going to the end of chapter thirteen. What's the last story? You can go ahead and keep using your subheads, even though we said those aren't inspired. Yeah, but yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> they're they not help, the, sometimes they help us. It's skim helpful the text, for and that's yeah fine. for the outline of this right. chapter. It's like oh, boop, yeah, there. And because I've read this and I right. know it, sometimes it's, it helps us helpful. skim the text. And yeah, that's cool. So so what, what's so your subheading. He, he revisits Nazar- Nazareth. Is this where uh, he, a prophet? Happens? Oh, he's rejected the prophet he's in rejected. his hometown. <laughs> right, he's rejected for speaking what. The, the word of the kingdom. The word, okay? They took offense at him. And this is the whole point, is that, look at look at how we get in verse 53. His sisters, when are they Jesus not all had finished these parables, with us? He went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue. So they were astonished and said, where does man get this wisdom, right? Keep going. Yeah, and like you said, are not his sisters with us? Where do they get these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said, a prophet, that's one who speaks God's word, mm-hmm. is not w- without honor except in his hometown and his own household. Okay? So what's happening is Jesus said, I'm going to keep teaching and it's going to start re- being received with opposition. That's exactly what Jesus is telling in these parables, like you just said. This helps us understand the movement of all these parables, is that the word of the kingdom actually looks like it's weak. It looks like it's small and insignificant. It looks like it's bringing in just as much false ideas that it is real ideas. We got bad fish with the good fish. We got good, we got weeds with the wheat. We got all kinds of stuff going on, right? Mm -hmm. And and what's going to happen is as the as Jesus ministry continues this is going to get so bad the opposition and all these things are going to get so bad that they're finally going to kill him hmm. because yeah. of what he has taught because of his word and Jesus is telling his disciples you know the secrets of the kingdom you know that this is going to end in a cross. You know this is going to end in a resurrection. And so we get to Matthew 16, where Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ. And Jesus tells him explicitly, this is going to end in a cross. And 
Peter says, no, it will not. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Yeah, that's right? coming up in a few chapters here. That's yep. right. Exactly. Yeah. So what happens is Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, is not a parable for me to ask what kind of field or what kind of ground or dirt I am. Okay, that that's my question. So let, let me go back to that. Because now now that we've gone through that, it I mean, maybe this is overstating it, but it, it's almost like there's no value in asking that question. Because that was going to be my question. Is is there any value in me trying to figure out which which one of these am I? Like there's Bible studies based on this and entire series on this so, kind of stuff. But looking so at Peter, this way, I, I almost think if I do that. I'm actually going to miss the whole thing. So, Peter, let me ask you: what kind of what kind of field are you? What kind of ground are? What kind of soil are you? Be honest. I kind of want to be the first one. I mean, wait, the fourth one, the 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 good one. You want to be the fourth one, (laughs) right? But I don't know. How do I know? See, here's the problem. So, what's what when this is our motivation for reading the parables? We either have to choose that we are the hero of the story. Well, obviously, I'm the good soil. I'm a Christian, so I must be the good soil. So now there's no law impact of this parable because I'm already the good soil. Ah. So the only law is look at all those people out there that are bad soil. Well, that obviously is that's not that's a good like total self righteousness. Right. Then that's yeah, self righteousness. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Or it's totally condemning because, well, I'm concerned about the cares of this world. Yeah, I got I'm, weeds. There, there are definitely weeds that choke me out on tons. Yep. So I guess I'm just the bad soil who's rejecting God's word. Well, now I'm just condemned. And so that's the point is that when we read the parables as to what it has to do with me, it necessarily leads to a condemning law or self-righteousness. So we've talked, this This is the, the Christological principle and mm-hmm. making sure we're focusing on, on Christ. And what right. you've just pointed out here is that the, one of the things that we as Lutherans do is we look at it in terms of law and gospel. And if we fail in the Christological principle and make it about us, we're actually going to fail to rightly distinguish the law and the gospel That's in this exactly as well. Right. So it's, it's not that law and gospel actually drives this, which is I think what well, as Lutherans, we, we try and say, okay, where's the law and where's the gospel? And let's kind of make it work that way. No, the law and gospel actually flows from, from. the Christological principle first. And if you right. miss that Christological principle in this, how this is actually about Jesus, you're actually going to miss the law and gospel. I, I, and this so, is, as, as a new Lutheran, this, this yeah. is a hard thing for me to figure thing. out. Because it's like, oh, law and gospel. Great. I just have to look at every text and figure out where the law is and where the gospel is. And I'm now reading scripture properly. Yeah, and, and what happens is, Uh-oh. is like, <laughs> it you, doesn't like work you just here. said, and that's, that's very important, is that law and gospel is a means by which we understand the point of certain texts, but it's not actually the hermeneutic through which we look at the Bible. Our hermeneutic is actually a Christological hermeneutic, and yeah. law and gospel is one of the ways that we talk about reading the Bible from a Christological point of view. Yeah. So let's look at the actual parable. We said a lot of what it's not. Let's look at what it is. Let's just rehearse this a little bit. Yeah. So, so Jesus is teaching his crowds and the disciples that he is the one proclaiming the truth about the kingdom of God. He is the one who is the son of man, who is proclaiming God's word 
about God's activity among his people. This message will be spread by Jesus. No question about it. He's going to sow it, right? That's what he mm-hmm. says. Sower, sowing yep. seeds. And if you just look at the parable kind of in a gross terms, three-fourths of the audiences that listen to him will flat reject him. Either that's immediate rejection or in the long-term rejection. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't stop him from sowing. And it doesn't stop the kingdom from being valid because even if it's just one-fourth, there is a remnant that will hear and believe by the power of God and God will work in that one fourth a harvest that is a hundred times. So is is that harvest more of the word going out from that one fourth or is the harvest more people being added to the kingdom? What what does that mean? Like 30 times, Who cares? what does that look like? It's simply abundance. And, ah. and this is what you learn. Kevin, that, I want to make it about me again. Right, Come on. Exactly. You're going to start defining it in my terms. And, <laughs> and what we want to do is we simply want to understand that when God works in Christ, the result is abundance, abundance of grace, abundance of forgiveness, abundance of life, abundance of fellowship, abundance of church, abundance of sacrament, abundance of blessings. And when I say blessings, I mean in so light this, of all the things we just This mentioned. is about me sowing my seed offering? Right. So all these things that you're doing is is you're you're saying, no, it's not about Jesus. It's about me doing all this. <laughs> and what we're saying is is the parable properly interpreted is really about Jesus as the one who proclaims the truth of the kingdom and finally is rejected to the point where he dies. And listen, through that rejection, through that death and resurrection is the the harvest. Hmm. See, we spend so much time trying to figure out what kind of soil we are that we're missing the whole point is that you are the soil that rejects the word. But that doesn't stop Jesus from sowing the seed. And he will sow it to the point of his death for you. So that his death and resurrection will yield a harvest, not because that you have become the right kind of soil, but because he stubbornly plants it. And that's grace. Because if I were to read this and say, what kind of soil am I? I would never get to the fourth kind because I would stop at the first one and say, you know what? When I hear the word, the devil's always tempting me to read something different, always tempting me to read it incorrectly. And if I get past that and I say, no, no, I'm still going to read it. Well, then, you know, it's fun to read it. But then as soon as I got in reading it, the cares of this world, other things are choking it out. Right? Yeah. And there are other truths in my life that are always competing for the word of God as for prominence in my life. I would never get to the fourth kind of soil because no, I'd I'm- be so convicted in the first three kinds of soil that I'd say, obviously, the word is not taking root in me. But you've got yeah. to keep reading You've got to keep reading. Jesus continues to sow the seed. Jesus continues to be the kingdom of God to the point of his death and his resurrection, his ascension, and his promised second coming. So now hear the word of the kingdom. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. God is bearing fruit in your life through the work of his son 
so that his grace is now abundant in you a hundred times, 60 times, 30 times. This is the love of God, right? And so we rejoice that I bring all of my sins to Jesus and he has more forgiven than, forgiveness than I have sins, an abundance of love an abundance of grace and all of this, not because I've changed myself to be a certain kind of soil, not because I've progressed through these kinds of soils, but because the son of God is faithful. Mm -hmm. Right. And he will do it. And that is the crucial conversation. Kevin, what are we, what are we looking at for the next example that we're going to go through? Uh, I also want to op- open this up. If you're listening to it, to this podcast and you would like to have us give this kind of treatment to a passage that maybe you found difficult to look at Christologically. And, and you, uh, uh, I mean, that's why I like going through this. Cause it's like, oh, okay, Kevin, help me figure this out. And I'll be honest, Kevin's helping me figure this out. <laughs> Even as he figures it out, he's helping me figure it out. So d- if you, listener, have passages like this, you'd love to see this kind of treatment. We do want to have a good series of episodes, our next episodes, kind of doing this and modeling this because, okay, great, we, we did this once. I'm not confident to go into the next passage and say, all right, I got this. I'm not even confident that I can come back to this and make sure that I do this again because my own concupiscence, my sinful nature is working against me constantly. I mean, all the questions that came to my mind, Kevin, as we're recording this are about me. Yep. I mean, that's, that is, that is how, yep. how this it's, works it's for all of us. Oh, so it's, it's hard. So listeners, if you have ones you, you'd like us to tackle questions at crucialproductions.org, that email comes straight to me. You can go to our website, crucialproductions.org, and click the Ask a Question button at the top, fill out the form. That sends an email to us as well. On social media, if you're listening to this on YouTube, you're seeing it come through Facebook, Twitter, you follow us on Instagram. Post post your passage there. Say, hey, can you give this the Christological treatment? Um, help me understand this Christologically. Kevin, what, what are we thinking for some of the next ones that we want to do in this series? Well, I think the next one we're going to tackle is John 4. Uh, the woman at the well. This is one that's very Ooh. popular these days, and I hear yeah. a lot of people talking about it. So I think we should go ahead and look at that text. It's a very long text, so we won't be able to be as detailed as we were today with this one. But uh, I think it's worth spending some time just looking at John 4, uh, the woman at the well. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. If you want to support what we do here at Crucial Productions here at the end of the year, I know sometimes people are thinking about end of year giving. Uh, I think this episode will go out before the end of the year. <laughs> Even if it doesn't, crucialproductions.org slash give. Uh, we appreciate gifts of any amount after you've given to your church. Support that local ministry there first. That's what where God has placed you and called you to support that for an organization, an outreach like us. But after you've done that, we, we do appreciate anything else that you'd give in our direction. Kevin, you inhaled like you had something to add. Nope. Okay. Well, we'll see you guys next time. See ya.